Hi, this is Sally and welcome to Reclaiming Pride, LGBT plus survivors of narcissistic abuse. Before we start, there is a trigger warning. The episodes of this podcast may at times refer to domestic violence, emotional, financial and sexual abuse. To begin, I'd like us to start with a one word feelings check. What's one word for how you are feeling right now? Not how other people around you are feeling or how the people you're caring about are feeling, but how are you feeling right now, in one word. This week, we're going to be looking at a controlling and manipulative tactic that you may have suffered under with your NPD partner, family member, friend or colleague, the silent treatment. We will also be looking at isolation tactics, which do tie into the silent treatment set of behaviours. Both of these are forms of narcissistic control. So what is the silent treatment in the context of NPD? The narcissistic silent treatment refers to a manipulative behavior often associated with individuals who exhibit narcissistic traits or have narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. The silent treatment involves intentionally ignoring or avoiding communication with someone as a means to control or punish them. This behavior is used to exert power over another person, making them feel anxious, confused and desperate for attention or validation. Within the context of everyday relating with the narcissist, the silent treatment could look something like this. If you have a disagreement, which is very often because the narcissist will frequently start conflicts and arguments because they're lacking narcissistic supply, they will make it so that the conflict you were having is the be all and end all of the relationship. So for example, oh, you you picked that color of sneakers, rather than the ones you should know I wanted because you don't love me. So it's that kind of catastrophic thinking about something that really isn't important at all. They'll also say that it's you, not them, that are literally jeopardizing the relationship by having the conflict. You'll find this is especially true if you question their behavior. So any attempts that you make to resolve anything with them will be met with the silent treatment. So the more this happens and becomes a pattern, the more you'll try to avoid it. You'll apologize profusely for things that are not your fault, forgive things that you should not forgive. Otherwise, you know they will simply just, in the blink of an eye, lose interest in you. They will walk away. They know you know this, and this is why they do it. They will withhold affection, attention, and even basic dialogue in order to erode your boundaries and self-esteem. What will happen then is that they'll start to be visibly bored by you. If you are saying something very important to them, maybe about the way that you're feeling or something like that, they'll just look at their phone while you're talking or do other things, or they might interrupt you with a very inane question, something like, should we get ketchup or mayonnaise this week? This all shows they are not paying attention and they want you to know that. You are also expected to be a mind reader. Yes, you are expected to be a full-on clairvoyant. You'll never know why they are giving you the silent treatment entirely. Sometimes it will just happen out of the blue and it won't be following an argument or anything. It won't be following any kind of altercation. You may have had a reasonably good time even and then the silence. I remember my ex would stop communicating with me for days, sometimes weeks at a time, and I would never know what it is that I had done. The answer is, I didn't do anything. However, when they come back around, it will be all your fault for not knowing what it is that happened. It will be you who is insensitive or unempathetic and lacks the ability to infer why they were giving you the silent treatment. 
I remember her saying to me a lot, oh, you just can't infer Sally. And then she would kind of go into this whole diatribe about the fact that she had a theory that I was on the autism spectrum. And that's therefore why um, I couldn't infer. I have many friends and family members who are on the autism spectrum. And I, I really don't think that I am. Not that there's anything wrong with it at all, but I just don't think that that was she was right in her analysis. It's ridiculous. It's like, why can't you infer why I was being abusive to you? You're such a bad person. After a series of silent treatments, you start to feel very on edge around this person because you're constantly walking on eggshells because you want them to like you and you don't want the silent treatment again. And you know that you're literally, by the snap of a hair, it could happen. You find yourself forgiving all of their faults, their abuse, their questionable behavior, their insensitivity. You feel like you're in constant competition with the other people in their life, maybe their colleagues, maybe their friends or family, or maybe their ex who they will likely throw in your face constantly, especially when you're having an argument. I remember my ex saying things to me like, I don't know why I settle for you, Sally. I'm just settling. One day I'll find the person that's meant for me and they will be beautiful like I deserve. Now, this didn't always happen in the middle of an argument you know what, we could be having lunch or a drink or something. And she would say something like that. Honestly, they really don't care when you leave their side because they look all they're looking for is a constant source of narcissistic supply. And they will just find it somewhere else. The only time you'll see them concerned if you're not around is that there is no other ready source of narcissistic supply, no one else to feed off of emotionally. They're literally like, emotional vampires. That's why they need you. That's when the silent treatment will stop. So that was the context of the silent treatment in a situationship. So how does the silent treatment serve the narcissist? In the context of narcissism, the silent treatment can serve several purposes for them. So the first would be control and manipulation. So narcissists use this silent treatment to gain control over your emotions and actions by withholding communication and attention. They manipulate your behavior and emotions. They force you to seek approval and validation from them in order to keep the back and forth flowing, even though there really is no back and forth. It's only kind of a a send and no receive because all they do is talk about themselves. The second is maintaining a sense of superiority. So narcissists often have an inflated sense of self-importance and entitlement. Ignoring you through the silent treatment reinforces their belief that they are superior and that you should chase after their attention. The third is to create insecurity. So silent treatment can create feelings of insecurity and self-doubt in you. You might question what you did wrong to deserve such treatment. That can lead you to becoming more compliant and submissive simply because you're trying to avoid it. Four, avoiding responsibility. Narcissists may use the silent treatment to avoid taking responsibility for their own actions or addressing conflicts. So by refusing to communicate, they're sort of sidestepping accountability to make you doubt your own perceptions. Fifth is emotional punishment. The silent treatment can be a form of punishment for your perceived wrongdoing. Narcissists use it to make you feel guilty, ashamed, and eager to make amends with them. In an earlier episode, I talked about how my ex had named all of the folks in the ACOA healing meeting in her head before she even spoke. Remember how she identified me as guilt girl before we'd even spoken? She knew the silent treatment would work on someone like me even before we'd ever spoken to each other. So why silence? Why use that? Well, if you're someone who grew up in a dysfunctional household, or if you're an empathic person, 
a caring person, then the silent treatment is a very powerful tool to erode your identity. The reason for this is that you will always question yourself before you question the other person, particularly if it's someone you love or care deeply about. You'll likely try and think of everything that you may have done wrong. As a result, you start to lose your sense of self, your sense of reality, your sense of what on earth is going on, quite frankly. It can make you not want to eat. It can make you feel depressed and not want to see your friends. All of these kinds of things can happen. While the silent treatment is not visible, the internal bruises it causes are immense. Especially if you're someone who was frequently abandoned in childhood, this will trigger you enormously and they know it. This is why it's such an effective and torturous form of control. Giving you the silent treatment makes you pit yourself against your own mind. So in other words, you know the truth of what is going on, yet you profoundly doubt it because the other person who you care about and admire or love is treating you in such a way that you may have done something wrong to elicit this treatment. They will leave you alone with your own thoughts, giving you subtle hints and suggestions as to what it may have been, but never actually communicating. Because it wasn't anything. Nothing happened to make them do that. You will waste hours, days, maybe weeks or months going over and over a short conversation to try and extract what it was that you said or did that caused the problem. The fact is, as I've said, you didn't do anything. You were dealing with a pathologically ill person who employs the silent treatment as their modus operandi of control. I know when I was keeping my journals throughout the relationship, I would end up literally writing out some of the text messages and conversations, and I would send those long texts explaining, apologizing for whatever it is I didn't know I'd done. The text would be ignored, and she would just continue to read the desperation, ignoring it without another word. I would later find out that during these silent times, she would have been out to nightclubs, out with friends, going to museums, galleries, and enjoying herself, completely unaffected. Meanwhile, I was going through hell. They will refuse to discuss anything over the phone or in person with you, even in text, unless it's entirely on their own terms, in their way, and when they are ready. In short, you literally just feel hated by this person that you love, admire, or care for. Then there are the if-only moments. Have you had these? These are extremely common after the altercations with the narcissist. You'll be left after an argument with them or a conflict that's already not your fault, still questioning yourself and wondering, if only I hadn't said that thing that I said. Or if only I hadn't come home at 5.30, but I should have come home at 5. If only I hadn't gone to that conference for work, they wouldn't have gone to that nightclub and met that person. If only I picked out that other card for them instead of the one I bought for their birthday, we'd still be talking now. If only I hadn't asked them to stop criticising me, and then we'd still be talking. If only I'd pretended everything was okay the last time they verbally abused me, then everything would be fine and they wouldn't think I was so needy. If only I'd had sex with them when I didn't want to, everything would be okay right now. And on and on and on. I remember in my situation, she would often say that she wanted a deep, strong partnership type of love from me. And yet that's exactly what I was giving. I couldn't have given any more or any harder. And yet it was never enough. It's very clear to me now that she would actually never be capable of receiving anything remotely like that kind of love from anyone. The fact that it is your entire relationship to be hanging on a few if onlys, well, then that's no relationship at all. It's an abusive situationship where the other person is constantly making you blame yourself for things that they had started, 
for faults that actually they have and for the abuse that they are putting you through. This is like walking on a razor's edge to please someone who can never be pleased. Now I want to kind of pan out to the bigger picture and look at isolation and how that is used by the narcissist. Let me ask you something. Have you lost touch with friends that you had had prior to the narcissist coming into your life? Did the narcissist drive a wedge between you and your family members? Did you stop doing some of the things that you loved while you were with the narcissist? Did your hobbies, needs then embarrass you in front of the narcissist and therefore you stopped doing them because you were mocked for doing them? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then you have been isolated by this person. Isolation by the narcissist is both insidious and debilitating. They will actively work to alienate you and even their own children from the static of the outside world. I think one of the primary things here is that the narcissist knows that if the outside world knew what was going on with you and them, the narcissist would be in trouble. One of the other major components of this form of isolating someone is utter control. The narcissist will consistently need control over people around them, especially the people who are closest to them, because they feel an utter lack of control inside themselves. So to try and explain this form of isolation to someone is very difficult unless you've also experienced being in an abusive relationship where someone has tried to isolate you in this way. As survivors, once we're free from the narcissist, we tend to struggle even then to understand what it is we've just been through and let alone trying to communicate it to somebody else. I think for myself, I've only just got to the point where I've stopped blaming myself for a lot of what happened in that relationship and it's been over two years since it ended. Even towards the beginning of your relationship, the narcissist will dig and dig to try and win your trust and try and find things out about you, about your family of origin, about your friends, about your former relationships. What they will then do with that is they will use it against you and throw it at you at any given time. You just cannot trust them with anything intimate. You literally cannot trust them at all. For me, I remember this meant often that my ex would throw my parents' dynamic at me. She would look at me and say, when she was trying to cause an argument and I would respond, try and justify, defend myself. Oh, look at little Sally trying to create the dynamic that her parents had. It's your parents all over again. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to create that here with us. Meanwhile, this is someone who on my 40th birthday followed me down the street in New York and yelled, yes, and that's why I had to hit you. She was referring to the fact that I'd taken my own debit card to work with me that week in my purse. But I was isolated from people at that point. I was scared of telling anyone anything because she would find out. I was also scared and and embarrassed because I had a high powered job. You know, I was also a teacher. I was an executive. This isn't something you necessarily want the people at your job to know. The narcissist views your friends and family as a threat to their false sense of self, to their mask that they wear. They will also attempt to undermine supportive relationships that you have and even their own children have with relatives, friends, teachers, coaches, those sorts of people. This is a way to keep you more dependent on them and more compliant with them. Perhaps the most fundamental of all of these is that the narcissist will isolate you from yourself. They'll isolate you from your own sense of what is right and wrong, your own sense of balance, your self-confidence, basically your whole connection with reality. This will all create a severe cognitive dissonance within you. I mean, what you perceive to be true and what the narcissist tells you is happening 
or who the narcissist is telling you that you are. All of this makes you confused. It makes you doubt yourself. You even start to doubt other people, your friends, your family, and that's how it works. That's how they do it. It is important to note that not everyone who employs the silent treatment or silence is a narcissist. People might use this tactic for various reasons. This might include personal coping mechanisms, an introversion tendency, relationship conflict, maybe someone stepping away from it because it just feels unsafe. However, in the context of narcissism and NPD, the silent treatment is part of a broader pattern of manipulative behaviours that serve the narcissist's need for control, admiration and validation. It's actually part of the cycle of abuse within the NPD spectrum. Now, I know that that was a lot of information and it may even have kicked up a few things for you. So what I'd like to do is take a quick break and then we'll be back with the journal entry for you on this week's topic. journal entry will be on the topic of exploring healing from narcissistic silent treatment. Here is your prompt for this week. Take a moment to reflect on your own growth and understanding. How has the experience of facing narcissistic silent treatment influenced your perception of healthy relationships and communication? Are there any lessons you've learned from these experiences and what are those? Please note, This podcast is not intended to replace professional therapy or counselling. It serves as a supplementary resource for support and encouragement. Listeners, you are encouraged to seek professional help if needed. I did, and it still works for me every day. Stay tuned, and I look forward to healing with you next time. Bye-bye.